Welcome to the Carry On Cast, the podcast of Easter Lutheran Church where the pastors get together, talk about what's coming up in worship. I'm Pastor Steve, and I'm here with... Hey, I'm Pastor Megan. And I am Pastor Brandon. Yes, we still are those people, and we're still glad to be here. And once again, second week in a row, we are podcasting from the Zooms. So if your audio quality is subpar to our normal, don't blame our communications experts. Blame COVID. That's a that's a safe bet, I think, just in general right now. Yeah. Blame COVID. <laughs> blame COVID. Hashtag blame COVID. <laughs> uh, but we are here. Uh, we are excited to. Uh, we're thankful for Zoom that we can still be able to do this podcast for you all. Uh, we find it a refreshing spot in our week to just connect as pastors around the text. It's kind of like you get to eavesdrop on our pastoral text study which is pretty fun. So last week, we launched off our new series in the Gospel of John. No, that was two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Yeah, this is going to be week three. This is week three. So last week, and our second stop on the I Am journey, as we're learning about Jesus in this season of Epiphany, as Jesus is stepping into the light, and we are seeing more and more of who Jesus is. Last week, we, uh, I like to call it Nick at night, where Nicodemus <laughs> uh, comes to Jesus in the darkness of night and asks him all these questions. And it's a really interesting story. That was in John chapter three. Now, today we come to John chapter four with a very different encounter. But Pastor Brandon, a little thing happened in between those two. What's was frame us up? Sure. Well, after Nicodemus leaves kind of disappointed, um, then Jesus goes from Jerusalem to the countryside where uh, Jesus does some baptizing and John the Baptist is there. And John the Baptist's disciples are like, hey, that guy that you said is the Lamb of God is over there by the river baptizing people. And more people are going to get baptized by him than you. So it's, it's kind of interesting. Like they're kind of, I don't know if they're getting jealous or, you know, worried about their congregation size or, or what, but um, that, that's when John the Baptist reminds us that his, his job, his calling is to point people to Jesus. And he also says, uh, I am not the Messiah, but I have been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. For this reason, my joy has been fulfilled. And that whole thing about the bride and bridegroom, I think will be kind of an interesting lens as we consider this next story at the well. You'll hear more about that. But anyways, um, John the Baptist says he must increase, but I must decrease, Yeah, uh, which I think is a good word for all of us. Yeah. Thank you, Pastor Brandon. That's great setup. And, you know, I, I don't want to derail or distract this conversation, but I, I keep coming back to the fact that John the Baptist gets mentioned a lot. And I have this working theory that at the time in the first century, when the gospels were being written, there was a lot of chatter about John should have been the one. (laughs) And so Uh, all the gospel writers are like, no, no, listen, listen, let me tell you again. John said, I'm not the one. Jesus is the one. So mm -hmm. I don't know what's going on there. That's just a little theory, but that's not what we're talking about this week. We are coming to a beautiful story, such an amazing story. Um, Our text for preaching is John chapter 4, verses 1 through 26, and this is affectionately known as two different titles. One, the woman at the well. Another one is the Samaritan woman, 
And the whole story actually spans uh, all the way through verse 42, but um, we're not going to do that because we can't preach about everything. Come on, people. Uh, but uh, we're going to divide it up into three sections. So, uh, Pastor Megan, uh, if you would read verses one through six to get us going. Yes, absolutely. And and just as a reminder, folks, remember that, um, you know, last week when we heard that story of Nicodemus, um, I want you to hear as many contrasts between these two stories as you possibly can, right? Nicodemus as an accepted leader, as a, a, a notable man in the community coming at night, covered by shadows, really kind of confrontational with Jesus in some of his questioning compared to this story of the Samaritan woman at the well, starting uh, with verse one. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard Jesus is making and baptizing more disciples than John, although it was not Jesus himself, but his disciples who baptized, he left Judea and started back to Galilee, but he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. Okay. Thank you. So this section sets the scene. Like if you were reading the stage play script, that would be like the, this is the setting uh, before the dialogue starts. So just us, just simply pastor Brandon, what stands out at you? What commentary do you have on this, this section? Yes. Well, three weeks ago, I think pastor Steve, you mentioned that the, the region of Galilee is kind of the place of belief. The region of Jeru- uh, the area around Jerusalem is a place of disbelief. So Jesus is heading back to Galilee. So we get kind of this little snapshot that, oh, probably people are going to believe in him. But then uh, verse four, he had to go through Samaria. And that's interesting to me because nobody had to go through Samaria uh, because of some of those differences. Um which I'll let somebody else talk about, but you didn't actually have to go through Samaria. It was the shortest way to get to Galilee, but oftentimes uh, faithful Jews would go around Samaria. <laughs> right, and right. Well, and that, Jacob's well. Yes, yeah. Well, and that's, I, I also crack up Pastor Brandon at that, but he had to go through Samaria because he, he kind of didn't. Um, it was the most efficient route, but because of some really significant um, ethnic and religious differences between Jews and Samaritans. Uh, the two of them uh, kind of kept their distance from each other, really uh, physically and, and metaphorically. Um, it, it's why the story of the good Samaritan, for instance, is such an affront because Samaritans aren't good. They're uh, those people over there. If you can say that in air quotes, um, you're not supposed to like them. You're supposed to see them as um you know, that, that cousin that we don't talk about. If you've seen Encanto, this is Bruno. You don't talk about Bruno. Um, so that, that this is, we're supposed to feel kind of shocked by this reference. Oh, now I just want to break into, we don't talk about Samaritans in Bruno-esque style. Oh, great <laughs> reference. Thanks. Not as catchy as Bruno, no, no, admittedly. Yes. Yeah. I do, we just watched Encanto on this last weekend. It's just a wonderful movie. Okay, but we're not talking about Encanto. We're not talking about. I got to control myself. We are talking about the woman at the well. (laughs) So, uh, Pastor Megan, um, thank you for telling us about the Samaritans, and um, I'm just going to add one more little detail about Jacob's well. I think that's a really significant detail. Anytime the gospel writers add a detail, it's important to notice that because 
you know, they didn't, writing was expensive and they, they chose their words very, very carefully. They didn't just like me and just ramble on because I've got all this digital space and blah, blah, blah. Right. They, and so to say it was Jacob's well, if you go all the way back to Genesis where Jacob was the one whose name was changed to Israel, Jacob is the, the father of the Israelites. And this is a unifying space and wells in that ancient culture were the place where people gathered um, because everybody needed water and they didn't have running water in their houses. And so this Jacob's well, this gathering place, this had to go through Samaria. I think there's a theological compulsion there. Uh, So anyway, we got a lot more to talk about. So if you would read uh, verses seven through 14, we'll get into some really good stuff. Yeah. So remember though, at the end of verse six, uh, there is the very uh, intentional note that it was about noon. Right. So the the gospel writer is being very careful to let us know what time of day it is, keeping in mind John's propensity for for daytime versus nighttime, visible versus in the shadows. Continuing on with verse seven, a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. His disciples had gone into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Parenthetical notation, Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Continuing on, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us the well and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. Excellent. So Pastor Brandon, what do you got? Yes. Well, um, like Pastor Megan and Pastor Steve, you both said, I mean, it's it's noon. Um, so two things. It's not a time people would typically come out to the well to get water. But also we're reminded uh, it's light. It's light out. It's not dark. So, um, you know, Nick, Nick at night uh, left not believing. The Samaritan woman um, has a shot here at believing because it's, it's happening at daytime. Um, but also I would add to this idea of the well, that this wasn't just a meeting place, but this is where Jacob met, remember Rachel, whom he, well, eventually he married after marrying Rachel's sister, Leah. But anyways, um, this was a place where people came to meet. It's also a place where people met their future spouse kind of. Um, so there's a lot of speculation that, oh, you know, if, if you were familiar with those stories, you'd be hearing, oh, Jesus is at the well and the Samaritan woman comes. Oh yeah. They're going to get together or something like that. Right. A gospel <laughs> romance, budding. On we're, the we're all giggling about, about Tinder in the uh, 2000 year old age. Just show up at the well. Right. Yeah. Swipe left. <laughs> give me a bucket don't give me a bucket if you know what i mean (laughs) hey hey. but but jesus obviously i mean he's not going there right like even if uh, if even if the reader's brains might have gone there we're we're seeing a a bit of a conflict here right because we're seeing a man and a woman meeting at a well and instead they're talking about water 
I mean, which makes sense because they're at a well, but but something else is happening and we're supposed to be kind of surprised. We're supposed to be intrigued. Oh, why are they talking about the water? And why are they even talking at all? These two mm. people who have who have so little in common and who are really supposed to be avoiding each other and certainly shouldn't be meeting at the well. Oh, it's so interesting. And then we should also be confused, kind of like the woman. What on earth does Jesus mean by living water. You, I, I think of, of last week when Nicodemus was confused by this idea of being born again or born new and goes the wrong direction with it. And, and there's a little bit of that here too. The woman says, wait, are you telling me that I wouldn't have to be thirsty? What? How, how does this work? Um, so yeah, this, this middle part of the story is just really trying to draw us in. Yeah. It, and Something that just captured me this week, I had never connected it, and I don't know if it's, if it's a legit connection, but um, I think of Isaiah 55, where Isaiah, again, who this is the major prophet that the people are drawing from about the hope of the coming Messiah, and Isaiah 55 says, hey, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you that have no money come by and eat, come by wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that, which is not bread and your labor for that, which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. And it's interesting because he's talking to this woman about water. And the part that we're not going to read is that the disciples went to buy food and they come back and they said, "Um, Rabbi, eat. And Jesus says, no, my food is to do the will of of the one who sent me. And so I think I do think there's a connection to that. And so I, and I think perhaps the woman picked up on that because notice how she responds. Let's read the rest of the text, 15 to 26. The woman said to Jesus, "Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water." Jesus said to her, "Go, call your husband and come back." The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth. For the father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Thank you. Wow, there's so much. Oh, too much. Too much. Pastor Brandon, I know you had a question. Yes, I did. Um, Is this about the name or... It's what do you got? What, yeah, ask any questions. Sure. Well, first and foremost, I think, you know, maybe just a little cleanup here because 
you know, for, for many years, you, you may have heard the sermon about the Samaritan woman, uh, and it may have been told you that she's a prostitute because, you know, why else would somebody come to the well at noon when nobody else would be there? Well, it's probably because they're not respected. It's a person of ill repute, but actually though John's gospel play on noon has more to do with light and darkness. And it nowhere in here does it say the woman is a prostitute. It just says she's had five husbands and, and now is with another person. So we it doesn't say they were customers. It says they were husbands. And especially at this time, perhaps the woman's the victim here um, that her husbands have all died. And we remember that at this time is not a good time to be a woman without a husband. And so the person she's with is perhaps somebody who's helping to care for her. Pastor Steve, I think you called it loverite generosity, right? Yeah. So um, there, there would have been a rule at this time too, that if a, if a woman's, so if, if a man and a woman are, are married and the husband dies before there's an heir, that the next in line of the husband's family would have to marry the woman and then their kids would be credited to the now deceased older husband, right? Um, because you want someone's line to continue. You want there to continue to be you know, generations for that person. So it's entirely possible that this woman has just been getting bounced from next of kin to next of kin to next of kin. So then the, the tragedy isn't that she's a woman of ill repute who has to come in the heat of the day to avoid the, 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 you know, the glares of her neighbors. The, 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 this story is about a woman who has nobody you know, who's, who's just keeps getting kicked down the line. Who's maybe seen as kind of a gosh, maybe even like an angel of death by the family. Cause every time she marries the next person, he dies. And it's, I mean, it would be, it would be tragic to be this woman. It would be grief mm. upon grief to be this woman. Yeah. Yeah. My, beautiful. So my, my question, pastor Steve, to your point too, is, uh, Nicodemus leaves not believing, um, at nighttime, uh, but how come Nicodemus gets a name and this is still, this Samaritan woman believes in Jesus. Why is she still by the end of the story, a Samaritan woman? I don't well, think and, it's and, she doesn't get a name. And keep in mind too, it gets even better in the part of the story that we don't read. It's not even just that she believes such. She goes back to her village and calls everybody out and says, you have got to come meet this guy. And by the end of the story, her whole community believes. Yeah. So she's like, I mean, she's like really the first evangelist yeah. and she doesn't get a name. So yeah, uh, Pastor Steve, I, tell us more. <laughs> I, have a th I have a working theory. Uh, first of all, Nicodemus shows up and he gets named because later in the gospel of John, he shows up again in the Jerusalem council when they're trying to decide what to do with Jesus. And he stands up for Jesus. And so by naming him in both places, you connect that he's the same guy. And I think that's really important um, because even though it seems like he leaves in disbelief in John chapter three, uh, something possibly takes root and he shows up again later. So that's one reason. And then to Pastor Megan's point at the very beginning where she, she primed the pump of the well, so to speak, um, about the <laughs> contrasts, um, you know, Nicodemus when you contrast that man and this woman, Nicodemus is a very specific man. And so he's named for different reasons. And Jesus in John chapter three says, for God so loved the world. And in John chapter three, in Nicodemus's paradigm, that's heresy. Like God doesn't love the world. God loves Jews. And mm -hmm. you need to become a Jew if you want God to love you. 
And so now in this story, I think this woman is the world. She represents all of the world that God loves. And so being nameless allows her to be more universal. And, and so the world is represented by this Samaritan woman who has been knocked down the line five times. Mm. She's like the bottom of the barrel. So you know, only worse than her is a leper, right? Or a centurion, you know, depending on your perspective. Well, <laughs> but, yeah, just keep reading through the gospels. You get to hear about a lot of those people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so this is the first encounter with that world that God loves and that world accepts the gospel of Jesus wholeheartedly. We're in, in the pre- prologue of John chapter one, it says, and the light came into the darkness uh, and, and he came into that, which is his own, but his own did not receive him, but the world. So he's just playing with where is light and where is darkness. And it's a beautiful story. So um, pastor Megan, I'm going to ask you, we only have like two minutes. I, I'm going to ask you the final question. Um, solve all of our mysteries about worship in a minute and a half, because Jesus says some really big things about worship. Well, I don't, I mean, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can solve all of them, but I can (laughs) say that, that one of the things that's most beautiful in this story is this contrast between Jesus who goes to Jerusalem to worship, which is the right place in air quotes. Um, but the Samaritan woman understands the right place in air quote to be a, a mountain in Samaria. So that's one of the things that they're, they're talking about here is she wants him to solve it for them. Like, Hey, we think that this mountain is the right place to worship. You think that mountain, which is Jerusalem is the right place to worship, which of us is right. And, and Jesus won't allow these dichotomies. He won't say right place, wrong place. He says, it's not about worshiping the father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. We, the hour is coming. It's now here. In fact, it is now the time when true worshipers worship the father in spirit and in truth, which is to say, it's not as much about a place. It's about who you are and what you're coming with and what you're bringing and understanding worship to be not like physically showing up in one particular location, but worship being about about relationship between you and God, between you and community, about that interaction, about that accountability, about that challenge and comfort that comes in a relationship that is embodied by spirit and truth, regardless of what mountain or no mountain you may find yourself on. So of course, friends, you might be hearing me point to a parallel, right? Like in this time where we go, well, is it okay for me to still be worshiping online? Should I be in church? Uh, Must I be in church? Does it count? Um, Gosh, friends, what counts is worshiping in spirit and truth. And so if you're worshiping in spirit and truth and you're doing it from home for now to be safe, my goodness, but that counts. Do we miss seeing you in person? Of course we do. Will you? Will we wait until it's safe for you and your family? Of course we will, because what matters most is this worship in spirit and truth, right? And so we sustain that no matter where we are. It's what makes us able to be a body of Christian worshipers around the world, even if we can't all be in the same sanctuary together. So, so keep that close to your heart, friends, in these weird times in which we live, that that God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. I just think that's such a powerful invitation to right. us. Well, Pastor Megan, that'll preach. That was well, awesome. Thank you you're for welcome. that beautiful commentary. And that means we're out of time. And it's been so good to be together uh, with you listeners around this beautiful text. And I hope that you will walk into the light with this woman 
and see that Jesus is the Christ and that the water that Jesus offers us is living water. And uh, we can worship God together separately. Uh, hashtag blame COVID. So, <laughs> so thanks for tuning in to our podcast at Easter Lutheran Church, where our mission is to grow in faith and carry on the work of Jesus Christ. May the road rise on.